Let us pray. Holy Spirit, pour out upon us wisdom and understanding that being taught by you in Holy Scripture, our hearts and minds may be open to receive all that leads to life and holiness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 17, verses 8 to 13. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some men for us and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hand grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the sun set, and Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the sword. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The season of Lent is a 40-day period, not including Sundays, leading up to Easter. It is a time of repentance and recommitment in our faith as we recall Jesus' own 40 days in the wilderness, which itself was looking back to the 40 years that the Israelites spent wandering in the wilderness before they entered the promised land. This morning, I am beginning a Lenten sermon series on the wilderness experience of the Israelites. It is my hope that that this will help each one of us to take another step on our journey of faith as we march together towards God's promised land. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. When most of us were young, we all had dreams about all the the great things that we were going to achieve one day when we grew up or become as we got older. Some of us maybe have dreamed of becoming a famous athlete who hit the home run with two outs in the bottom of the ninth to win the World Series, or who hit the game-winning shot as time ran out to win the title, or who caught the spectacular pass in the end zone to win the Super Bowl. Others of us dreamed of being a, a prima donna ballerina who floated gracefully across the stage to everyone's amazement, or, or the famous actor who brought everyone's favorite characters to life, or the brilliant musician who wrote all of the greatest songs. Some of us imagine becoming a teacher who would inspire thousands of students, or a doctor who would save thousands of lives, perhaps by finding the cure to cancer or the coronavirus. 
Or maybe, maybe an astronaut who would boldly go where no one has gone before, or, or even the President of the United States who would help bring about world peace. Or maybe you just dreamed of, of falling in love with the most exciting person and having the perfect family together. But if you're like most people, Somewhere along the way, you began to realize that your life was not going to turn out quite as gloriously as you had imagined it would. Perhaps that's because you did not have the abilities or the resources or the stamina to achieve that great thing that you had dreamed of. Maybe your life just took a different route than you had ever anticipated and you end up somewhere you had never imagined you would. And so you slowly began to trade in your great dreams of accomplishments for far more ordinary hopes and expectations. Maybe you settled for winning pickup games at the Y or for a job that at least can pay the bills, if not save the world. Or for a relationship that that is steady and comfortable and at least keeps you from being alone, even if it would never qualify as exciting. Or for a family that, while they're certainly not perfect and they often make you want to pull your hair out, at least everyone is healthy. But often by the time we reach our middle years, Most of us begin to look in the mirror and worry that our lives are never going to come close to those great dreams of success or fulfillment or love or influence that we dreamed of when we were young. We can even start to wonder if our lives even matter, if they make any real difference, if we have wasted the one chance we had on this life on ordinary things. That can even make us start to feel that our lives are a failure. But from the perspective of heaven, the real failure is not recognizing the power and the holiness of ordinary things when done in faithful service to the Lord. Now, in our text this morning, the Israelites had been on their way to achieving the great dream of entering the promised land for a couple of months now. They had already witnessed God do incredible things through Moses in order to set them free from Egypt, culminating in the parting of the Red Sea and the destruction of Pharaoh's army. But then... Then God had led the people on a a detour south through the wilderness where they encountered many obstacles along the way. The road was was hard and there was hardly anything to eat or, or to drink. And so the people began to complain against Moses, wishing that they could go back and become slaves again in Egypt. Now, Why would God take the people on such a hard journey to get to the promised land? Now, why not take the shortest distance and achieve the dream as fast as possible? I mean, nobody likes detours, do we? 
Well, maybe it's because the Israelites had been slaves for so long that it was all that they knew. It had become their identity and one that is very difficult to break. And God wanted to teach the Israelites what it meant to be free people before they arrived in Canaan. Otherwise, they would simply choose to become slaves to whomever or whatever they encountered there as well, thus jeopardizing God's great dream for his people and for his world. And so God took them on the long wilderness road in order to teach them to put their trust in him alone and embrace their freedom. Of course, being free doesn't mean having or doing everything you want. That's not freedom at all. That's actually just slavery to your own desires and addictions. That's actually one of the great curses of great wealth. You can do or have anything you want. True freedom, true freedom is found in learning to recognize what has true value and significance from heaven's perspective, and then choosing that rather than what our world or our whims or our own egos urge us to choose. After all, God created us for freedom. But the only way we're ever going to be able to experience that is if we start living the way God intended for us. And sometimes God chooses to take us on the wilderness road in order to teach us humility and obedience and to strip away from us all the things that we are clinging to that we were counting on to save us, including our great dreams of greatness and success. After all, heaven's definitions of greatness and success are often very different from ours. And it's often not until our dreams have died that we were able to discover God's dreams for our lives, which are always so much better than ours. Even our dreams of all the great things that we want to do for God. Remember, far more than anything God wants us to do for him is what God wants to do through us. And sometimes God calls us to do things that might bring glory to him and make a difference in someone else's life in ways that seem oh so ordinary to us. One day as the Israelites were struggling their way through the wilderness, they were attacked by a group of people called the Amalekites who would continue to be a thorn in Israel's side for generations to come just as they are for us. You see, Amalek is whoever or whatever is standing in the way of the dream and who makes us doubt that we're ever going to make it to the promised land. 
And Amalek usually attacks us when we are at our weakest, when we are tired or frustrated or discouraged. Amalek might be the, the boss who's always criticizing you or the, the coach who doesn't believe in you or the ex-spouse who continues to make your life difficult or that family member who just loves to poke at you. Amalek might even live in your own heart, reminding you of all your failures and insisting that you're never going to be good enough. And you can fight and fight against Amalek all you want. But according to our text, that's putting your energy in the wrong place. You are never going to defeat Amalek on your own. In fact, it's not even your job to defeat him. No, defeating Amalek is God's job. And one of the reasons that God takes us on the wilderness road is so that we can learn this. And when the Amalites attacked, Moses sent Joshua and his soldiers out on the battlefield to fight. While Moses went up on top of a nearby hill with the staff of God in his hands. And just as Moses once lifted up that staff over the Red Sea, parting its waters so that the Israelites could cross through, so Moses once again lifts up his staff over the battlefield in a posture of prayer. And as long as Moses held up his arms over his head, Israel prevailed. But as the day wore on and Moses began to tire, his arms fell to his side and the tide of the battle turned in favor of the Amalekites. And so Moses' brother Aaron and another man named Hur came alongside Moses and they each held his hand and lifted it up over Moses' head as he sat on a rock and continued to pray so that the battle would be won. Notice here where the real action is taking place in this battle. To an uninformed observer, Joseph, or Joshua would appear to be the star of the show, the primary actor in this fight, and the battlefield, the place where the outcome was being determined, where glory was being achieved, but nothing could be further from the truth. Israel's success that day was dependent entirely on Moses' faithfulness in prayer on top of that hill rather than on Joshua's skill with the sword down on the battlefield. For only by the power of prayer will Amalek ever be defeated in our lives. Again, it is God's job to defeat our enemies, not ours. Now, according to Jesus, our job is to obey his commands and love our enemies. But you will never be able to do that 
without committing yourself to prayer. Notice, however, that Moses grew tired in prayer before Joshua grew tired in battle. That's because prayer is hard work. And remaining faithful in prayer is so much more difficult than continuing the fight against Amalek. Actually, some of us even enjoy the fight. We get mileage out of it, don't we? But the only way we're ever going to be, rem- be able to remain faithful in prayer and in our life of faith is if we get a little help from one another. That's why the church family is so important. None of us can make it to the promised land on our own. No, we all need a little help and encouragement and support along the way. We all need someone to hold our hand on the journey. That's why Aaron and Hur are actually the heroes of this story. Without the two of them standing there all day beside Moses, holding up his hands in prayer, the Israelites would have lost this battle, thus putting an end to their journey to freedom. That ordinary act of faithfulness was the most powerful thing that happened that day. So often in our life of faith, we are called to do things that do not seem particularly spectacular or significant to us, like making another meal for complaining children, or changing another dozen diapers, or reading the same book yet again to that toddler who just can't get enough of it, or doing another load of laundry, or maybe writing a simple note of encouragement to somebody who is sick or grieving, or serving a meal to someone less fortunate than you, or or serving as an usher in worship so that everyone who comes here might feel comfortable and welcome. Or maybe checking in on a, a neighboring widow or widower just to make sure they're doing okay, or Showing kindness to a stranger or welcoming a visitor in church or committing to pray for everyone on our prayer list or just coming to worship every week. All these things, they they all seem so, so mundane, so insignificant, so ordinary to us. They're certainly not the kinds of things any of us dreamed of when we were young, But it is precisely through these ordinary acts of faithfulness, which to us might seem about as boring and as tiring as holding up the hands of Moses, that God does some of his most spectacular work. You know, I'm pretty sure that neither Aaron nor her dreamed when they were young of growing up to become an armrest. But because of their faithfulness that day, the battle was won. And the Israelites continued on their journey to the promised land and to freedom.
I wonder what would happen. I wonder what would happen if throughout this season of Lent, we as a church family would commit ourselves to starting each day in prayer, asking God to open our eyes to opportunities for ordinary acts of faithfulness where God can use us to make a difference in somebody's life. Oh, I think you might be amazed at what would occur. You might even never know the impact that you have. But I'll tell you one of the most wonderful things that will happen through your faithful prayers and actions is that you will come to see that it is Jesus who is holding your hand on the journey, offering you his strength and encouragement. And his arm will never tire. And he has already won the battle on your behalf. So your job is simply to keep praying and obeying. Even when it seems so ordinary. From the perspective of heaven. It might just be the most spectacular thing you ever do in this life. It is also the only way you're ever truly going to be free. Amen.